Our Old Testament passage picks up in Ezra chapter 8, verse 1. These are the heads of their father's houses. This is the genealogy of those who went with me from Babylonia in the reign of Artaxerxes the king. Of the sons of Phinehas, Gershom. Of the sons of Ithamar, Daniel. Of the sons of David, Hattush. Of the sons of Shechaniah, who was the sons of Parosh, Zechariah, with whom were registered 150 men. Of the sons of Pahath, Moab, Elehonai, the son of Zarahiah, and with him 200 men. Of the sons of Zatu, Shechaniah, the son of Jehaziel, and with him 300 men. Of the sons of Aden, Ebed, the son of Jonathan, with him 50 men. Of the sons of Elam, Jeshahiah, the son of Athaliah, and with him 70 men. Of the sons of Shephathiah, Zebediah, the son of Michael, and with him 80 men. Of the sons of Joab, Obadiah, the son of Jehiel, and with him 218 men. Of the sons of Bani, Shelomith, the son of Josephiah, and with him 160 men. And of the sons of Babai, Zechariah, the son of Babai, and with him 28 men. And of the sons of Azgad, Jonathan, the son of Hakathan, and with him 110 men. And of the sons of Adonakam, those who came later, all right, so those who came later, their names being Eliphelet, Jeul, Shemaiah, and with them 80 or 60 men. Of the sons of Begvai, Uthai, and Zachar, and with them 70 men, I agreed to gather to the river, I, I gathered them to the river that runs to Ahava, and we camped there three days. As I reviewed the people and the priests, I found that none of the sons of Levi, all right, so before the journey, we do a review. Now, that's important as a leader that you learn to do. Let's, let's review things before we leave. Then I sent for Eliezer, Ariel, Shemaiah, Anathan, Jerib, Anathan, Nathan, Zechariah, Meshulam, leading men, and for Joarib and Elnathan, who were men of insight. Now, there, there is a great thought. Men of insight. Are you a person that people look at and call a man of insight? There's a great thought. You know, some people are just dull, but other people know how to penetrate a subject. Other people know how to think through to the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth level of a subject. Those are men of insight. And I sent them to Edu, the leading man at the place, Kasiphiah telling them what to say to Edu and his brothers and the temple servants at the place of Kasaphia, namely to send us ministers for the house of God. <laughs> say, hey, we need some help here. And by the good hand of God upon us, they brought us a man of discretion. <laughs> All right, so the good hand of God again. So we add that to our list up there. The good hand of God brings good help. A man of discretion. Now, did you see this? Men, you, you, need to, you need to start making a list of the kind of things that people are known for in the Bible. Men of insight. Men of discretion. You know, there are some people that are really good at making a mess. And they can get a job done, but they leave a wake behind them of death and suffering. There are other men who are men of discretion. 
Also, Hashpa'iah, verse 19, and with him, Jesahiah and the sons of Moriah, and with his kinsmen and their sons, 20. Besides 220 of the simple temple servants whom David and his officials had set apart to attend the Levites. These were all mentioned by name. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and our goods. Okay, so notice fasting and prayer, because of course there's prayer because they're seeking. Fasting and prayer for a safe journey for themselves, for their children who are coming with them, and for their goods. Huh. All right, so here is a great prayer for travel. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath against all those who forsake him. <laughs> so he'd been bragging on God, bragging on God requires <laughs> living by faith. Oh, that's cute. I like that. So we fasted and implored our God for this. So we fasted and we prayed. We implored our God for this. And he listened to our entreaty. I like that. God listens. God listens. When you pray this day, God listens. Then I set apart 12 of the leading priests, Sarabiah, Hashabiah, and 10 of their kinsmen with them. And I weighed out Now, this is important. Then I weighed out for to them the silver and gold and the vessels, the offering for the house of our God, that the king, his counselors, his lords, and all Israel there present had offered. And I weighed out into their hand, notice, to them, into their hand, 650 talents of silver, and the silver vessels were 200 talents and 100 talents of gold. 20 bowls of gold worth 100 derricks and two vessels of fine bronze or fine bright bronze as precious as gold. And I said to them, you are holy to the Lord. The vessels are holy. The silver and the gold are a freewill offering to the Lord, the God of your fathers. Guard them. Keep them. Now, let's back up. When you accept responsibility... Four funds. Count it first. It should be counted to you. Never accept money that you don't count. If people say, listen, I'd like you to take 10,000 pesos and go do this, say, would you, would you count it for me? Don't you count it. Because if there's a discrepancy, maybe they forgot one bill, maybe they added an extra bill. Never accept money that people do not count out to you. Great lesson in keeping good friendships and good relationships. Because people say, but I gave you 10,000, but there was only nine there. Always have it counted out in front of you. 
And then he said, guard them and keep them. He said, you're responsible until you weigh them before the chief priests, the Levites, and the heads of the fathers' houses in Israel at Jerusalem within the chambers of the house of God. So there is now a reckoning. So the priests and the Levites took over the weight. Notice, took over. Now they are responsible. The weight of the silver, the gold, and the vessels to bring them to Jerusalem to the house of God. Now, brothers and sisters, notice, they had to reweigh to hand over. It was counted to them as they accepted responsibility, and they counted it to others to transfer responsibility. Then we departed from the river Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was upon us. Here's the hand of God again. Keep filling in the list above. And he delivered us. Here's another effect of the hand of God. Delivered us from the hand of the enemy and ambushes. All right, so the hand of God brings safety. Now, it doesn't say that there was never an ambush or there was never anybody who tried. It says God delivered them. Doesn't say no problems, it said God delivered them. We came to Jerusalem and we and there we remained three days. On the fourth day, within the house of our God, the silver and gold and vessels were weighed into the hands. All right, now here's the transfer. Again, by weighing, by counting, into the hands of Merimoth the priest, the son of Uriah, and with him was Eliezer the son of Panias, and with him were the Levites, Jezebat the son of Joshua and Noadiah, the son of Binua. So transfer, and again, notice multiple witnesses. You never count alone. You never count alone. Okay, because then it's he said, she said. Counting. Transfers of responsibility of finances is done very publicly. The whole was counted and weighed, and the weight of everything was recorded. All right, so finances are recorded. At that time, those who came from captivity, the returned exiles, offered burnt offerings to the God of Israel, 12 bulls for all Israel, 96 rams, 77 lambs, and as a sin offering, 12 male goats. All this was a burnt offering to the Lord. They also delivered the king's commissions to the king's satraps, and to the governors of the province beyond the river, and they aided the people of God and the house of God. So they did everything they were told to do. Now, some of this just looks like, oh, pastor, these are just little details. You know what? This is where people make mistakes. This is where churches are destroyed. You have one person counting the offering. <laughs> you never do that. You have someone who says they gave this much when they only gave this much, or they gave more than that. You have to learn. All of these things are written in the Old Testament, Paul says, for our example. So let's learn. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. The layman sat outside the gate, begging arms of those that entered in. Now Peter and John, they came upon him, the layman expecting from them. Now Peter said, silver and gold. Right then the spirit touched the man and lifted his feet and said, Look what thou done for me. 
Well, our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, begin with verse 6. Paul said, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. All right, so 
The message is determined by the audience. Paul said, among baby Christians, I don't preach wisdom. Among baby Christians, I, I preach the simplicity of the gospel. But he said, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. So Paul said, we are not, we are not anti-wisdom. He said, you know, you want to hear some teaching, man, I can give you some teaching. Now, you've got to understand, when you read the book of Romans, you understand just how intelligent a mind God had placed within Paul. But Paul said, you know what? There comes, there's a place for that. And the place for that is among the mature. Among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Paul said, all right, the source, the source of this wisdom is not the world. And it's not world leaders. And now, now, please, I do not understand why pastors today want to preach the wisdom of Steve Jobs or the wisdom of uh, Warren Buffett or the wisdom of Blue Ocean. As pastors, we, we, don't, we don't teach this, okay? If it can't come from the Scripture, as pastors, we should not be saying it. Now, now this is one of the challenges we, we always are working with with the younger pastors. You don't get on Google and look up a subject and begin to quote the wisdom of the world. Forgive me. The wisdom of the world will not bring salvation. There is no life in the words of men. There is life in the word of God. His word has life in it. Now, forgive me. I'm not against Steve Jobs or Warren Buffett or, or any of these people. I read the biographies of these great men. But you notice you never hear me quote them? Well, there's a reason for that. He said, we, we, don't, we don't get this wisdom from the, this age or from the rulers of this age, the, the leaders of this, this world. The wisdom has to come from God. So when, when you hear preachers quoting all that other stuff, forgive me, don't go to that church anymore. Find a church that just teaches the Bible. Now, I know that's ugly state, an ugly thing to say, but at some point you just had to decide, am I a Christian or am I part of a social movement that, that quotes whatever everybody wants to hear right now, okay? Steve Jobs died, so let's teach the leadership style of Steve Jobs. You know, Warren Buffett dies, let's teach the investing wisdom of Warren Buffett. No, we don't follow these things. We teach the Word. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. All right, so God's wisdom, the purpose of God's wisdom is for our glory. And this is God's wisdom. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> the whole plan of salvation, the wisdom of God, the world did not understand it, or they would have never killed Jesus. But as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. <laughs> no eye, nor ear, nor heart ha has imagined. Now, I've got a pretty good imagination. Most people do have a pretty good imagination. But I'm sorry, you can't even begin to imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Now then, this, now here's wisdom. 
Here's wisdom revealed. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. All right, so the wisdom of God, source, Holy Spirit. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Just like you and I are three parts, you and I are body, soul, and spirit. And really, to say it technically, we are a spirit man who has a soul and has a body. Okay. In the same way, there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're created in God's image, three parts. You are a trinity, just like God is a trinity. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. All right. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can understand the things given to us freely by God. Now, now this is something I always work with people on, and I've been talking with a lot of you lately, so if this sounds familiar, it's because I've been talking to a lot of you about this lately in my my personal calls and things with you. You're not going to get healed because of all the things you've done, all the songs you've sung, all the connect groups you've held, all the people you've led to Christ. You're not going to get healed. And you're not going to see God's provision flow to your life because of all the things you've done. Everything that God does for you is by grace. (laughs) I love that. Everything God does for you is by grace. We don't deserve anything. It's all by grace. Freely given to us by God. Freely. Not because we deserve it. Not because we paid for it. Not because we've worked hard enough for it. Not because we've done enough penitentia. Freely given to us by God. Now, when you understand how the Bible says freely you receive, freely give, this is why we would never charge people for the gospel. We would never charge people for a crusade. We would never charge people for a concert. Everything that flows from God is freely given. (laughs) And we impart this in words. Okay, He said we impart this. What is this? This are the things that we have been made to understand by the Holy Spirit. We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. All right, so you get the the truth from the Holy Spirit, and you get the, the words from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're ever around me before I preach, whether it's a crusade in the province, whether it's in a service, I'm always praying, Lord, give me Holy Spirit, give me words. Lord, give me words. I need words. I need words. Lord, give me words. Lord, I need the right word. Words are how we communicate. So it's not enough to know the truth that God wants communicated. You have to know the words to communicate it with. Now, Jesus said it like this. That the Father taught him what to say and how to say it. What to say and how to say it. And I put the reference there. Jesus said that. The natural person, all right, so here's a different kind of a person, okay? We have a spiritual person, three types of people. 
We have a spiritual person. We have the natural person who just does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. For he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, this person, and then there's the natural. We'll get to the next one tomorrow. The spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, why can we judge all things? Because we have the mind of Christ. All judgment has been given unto Jesus. Oh, but that's a whole other subject. Our Proverbs passage today picks up in Proverbs chapter 7, beginning with verse 6. We're still working on this keeping your zipper up, guys. There's some great wisdom here. Let me read it to you today from the New Living Translation. While I was looking at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men. Now notice some. This is a group. And one in particular who lacked common sense. <laughs> uh, so, sexual immorality is a sign of lacking common sense. <laughs> Guys, going out with a prostitute is not a sign of your virility. It's a sign that you lack common sense. Now, guys, you got to get a hold of that. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house, near the house. It was at twilight in the evening as dark as, as deep darkness fell. Now notice, he was in the wrong place. He was there at the right time. This was a plan. When young men say, Pastor, I don't know how this happened. Well, you know what? You had to think about it. You had to put yourself near that house. You, you knew what was there. You had to walk down that path where you know she'd see you. You knew what was there. You had to go there in the evening when people wouldn't see you as easily. You knew what was going to happen. The woman approached him, seductively dressed, and sly of heart, two characteristics. She was brash, rebellious type. All right, so notice the heart of an immoral woman and the dress of an immoral woman. Now, young ladies, please don't get mad at me. You know, I'm kind of like some of your grandfathers. There was a young lady in the church one day, and she wasn't dressed very nicely. And I'd known her since she was in her mother's belly. And I looked at her and I said, young lady, please, I'm like your grandpa. Why are you dressing like that? Who are you wanting to attract attention from? Sure, you're a pretty girl, but you know what? You don't need to show this, and you don't need to dress like this. Why are you dressed seductively? I said, now you can sit there and be mad that boys are staring at you, but you know what? You wore those clothes to be stared at. Now, she got really, really upset with me. 
But her mother, who was standing nearby, listened. And she walked up to me and she said, Oh, Pastor, thank you so much. <laughs> now, young ladies, a woman who dresses seductively is saying something about her heart. And you're saying something about what kind of a young man you want to attract. You're trying to attract a young man who's got moral problems, who lacks common sense. Now, young ladies, you don't need to dress like that. And you don't want to attract the attention of those type of boys. But notice also, sly of heart. Now, she can, it continues, she was brash, the rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She is often in the streets and the markets, soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, and she makes her offer. Now, you know, I want you to notice we're dealing with young men. Young men are trapped by aggressive women. Young men are trapped by aggressive women. Guys, you lack common sense. Don't go near such a situation. Okay, I'll stop there today. Everybody's getting very uncomfortable. We're going to get back into 1 Corinthians tonight. We'll see you then at 7 o'clock.